Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I wanted to bring you a message again today. I entitled this God's State of the World Address. You know, usually the president gives the State of the Nation Address at the beginning of the year, and I know this is not the beginning of the year, and the governor gives the State of the State Address around the same time, and like I said, this is not the first of the year, but I want to think about what God would say if he presented God's State of the World Address today. The State of the World is a topic much more important than the State of the State or the State of the Union. It's more important because it involves the welfare of not just the 328.2 million people of the United States, but includes the 7.8 billion people in the whole world. More people skip the president's message than hear it, but God's message is a message that you can't afford to skip. You better listen, because it's Jesus' assessment of the world, not mine. Also, because it has to do not just with economics or education, but with eternity. Its primary concern is not peace among nations, but peace with God. The state of the world's population is the first issue. God would remind us there are more souls than ever needing the gospel today. World population is 7.8 billion with the highest growth in developing nations. Global outreach opportunities have never, ever been greater. Christians are concerned about feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, tending the sick, and educating the illiterate. That's why we dig wells in Africa and buy blankets in Iraq, help the down and trodden in India, feed and care for the homeless in America. When we do these things, we're doing them for Jesus Christ. The state, then we want to look at the state of the world morality. What is the world, what in the world has happened to our world? What is a dysfunctional mess that we have on our hands? Our culture is losing its moral and ethical roots. People are redefining the meaning of moral to order, in order to justify their self-indulgent, hedonistic behavior and lifestyles. Principles of Americans have become rotten as the moral compass of America continues to decay. Not only are Christian standards uh, lowering, but our political system seems to be going haywire too. This can be seen by the elected members of Congress who are social democrats. These anti-Americans are injecting poison into this country, pushing for the same socialist policies that destroyed Venezuela. I believe the moral decay of the United States is the direct result of our country increasingly opposing God over the years in favor of secular humanism. As we continue to reject God and push him out of our nation, we're swinging our doors open and welcoming corruption, hatred, and violence in our country with open arms. We have no idea who uh, the 7 million people that have come across our borders this last year or two are. They're bringing in their ideas, their thoughts, and we don't have enough gumption to even begin to realize what's happening to our nation. In Edward Gibbon's final volumes, The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, we see three of the five major causes he cites as destroying Rome, 
that we are clearly apparent in America right now. They are the breakdown of the family, the insatiable craving for pleasure, and the decay of religion. We've become a nation as wicked or even more wicked than Sodom and Gomorrah, as evidenced by the increased acceptance of sexual immorality and the gruesome abortion laws that have been enacted in our nation, in our states. We as a nation and as a world are steering off course into the broad road leading to destruction. We need a spiritual revival like never before. We need to repent and turn back to God while we still can. Ronald Reagan warned us way back then, without God there is no virtue because there is no prompting of the conscience, and without God democracy will not and cannot endure. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be one nation gone under. The state of the world's crises. Jesus would direct our attention to the widespread crises that we're facing today. These uh, are heartbreaking times with more people coming with more people coming in, more diseases and greater mortality rates. Globally, about 10% of the world's population got uh, coronavirus or COVID-19. In one year, the report was 3 million people died from that pandemic. Vaccines were developed to combat the disease, but their lasting effects are still under undetermined. In fact, we're not even sure they did any good. Doctors are afraid of new, virulent, unstoppable epidemic is coming. In addition, there are millions of people at war today and thousands upon thousands are dying. Currently, Israel is at war with Hamas and Hezbollah. Now Egypt and Jordan are sending their armies to help Hamas and Syria and Iraq are thinking of jumping in and hoping to destroy Israel. Soon all the Arab nations will be involved. If you don't think this is a serious time, Read Ezekiel 38 and 39 and the prophecies in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Matthew 24 and Revelation. Wake up, people. If you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, there's not much time left. You better think seriously about making your peace with God. Rogue states are developing nuclear capabilities and shadowy terrorist organizations are seeking weapons of mass destruction. President Biden has, has repaved the way for Iran to get nuclear power, which is kind of like feeding a tiger, so it'll have strength enough to attack and eat you. Radical Muslims are taking over the Mideast and have set their sights not only on Israel but on America too. They plan a worldwide caliphate uh, with Sharia law which uh, will destroy anyone who refuses to convert to Islam. Russia is moving towards an invasion of Israel. Right now they're in the Ukraine but are on their way to Israel. Russia and China are making a coalition to work together, and North Korea and Iran are getting in uh, in the mix. God warned Iran or Persia 
with Russia, Magog, and the coalition of allies, including Turkey, Libya, Syria, Sudan, will go to war and will invade Israel. Ezekiel 38 and 39 warns that this coming war between Iran, which was called Persia in the Bible, and Israel will take place sometime after Israel has been regathered into her land as a nation. That was fulfilled on May 14, 1948. This prophetic war hasn't taken place yet, but the events of this week certainly look like something of prophetic truth is happening. This war will be unlike any other war in history. This war will unleash a series of irreversible events which will change the world forever. I'm not saying that what's going on there now uh, is in Israel is, is this war, but I am very suspicious about what's going on. And God set aside two whole chapters of the Bible to warn us of this coming war. And according to the Bible, Israel is going to have to stand alone with God. Someone will ask, well, won't the United States be there to back Israel? Aren't we allies? Well, didn't Biden say we would stand with Israel? Listen, Biden is already starting to waffle on that promise. When this war does finally start, the United States will be unwilling or unable to help Israel defend herself. We've already witnessed President Biden and his government that how they have cooled relations with Israel in the past. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel will stand alone if need be. The Bible warns that invading armies will ultimately be destroyed by God. It'll be a devastating war for both Israel and the whole world. Read Ezekiel 38 and 39. Bible scholars are divided as to whether this coming war is part of the prophetic battle of Armageddon or will just precede Armageddon to prepare a way for the Antichrist. This will trigger the final prophetic seven-year tribulation which God has set aside for Israel and the world which is sometimes called the Apocalypse. The whole world should be on edge with white knuckles watching this terrible prophecy slowly start to unfold. Those who claim to be Christians are, are, ought to be examining themselves in the word and in their faith to make sure they're not just almost Christians. Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and, and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who broke God's laws. You know, too many Christians are lukewarm in their faith in Jesus and in their knowledge of God's word. Revelation Chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm water, 
neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus warned us in Luke chapter 21, verse 36, keep alert in all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. The Bible promises that the faithful Christians who are alive at that time and have endured in their faith in God's word are not appointed to this coming time of God's wrath that'll be poured out upon the whole world. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10 says, and they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 9 through 11 says, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are uh, dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Any day could bring the world to the edge of the apocalypse. There are earthquakes, volcanoes, floods, drought, fires, blizzards and all kinds of natural disasters as God tries to get our attention, tries to warn us that we better get things straightened out with him. So I would say, wake up. It's time to get serious in your commitment to Jesus Christ. The state of the world's technology. Daniel 12, 4 says, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Daniel received some of the most sweeping prophecies found in the Bible. Daniel's prophecies take us from the days of the Babylonian captivity, which Daniel was part of, to the very end of this age. It's fascinating to see how God told Daniel after giving him some of the most remarkable prophecies found in the Bible to shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end and then gives Daniel two signs that would help us identify the time of the end. He says the, that there will be the ability to travel from one place to another that would be like anything we've ever seen before in history. It's interesting to note that from the time Daniel wrote this book until almost the 20th century, the speed that man could travel remained fairly constant. It was limited to the speed of on foot or horse or boat. And uh, the second sign, the knowledge would increase at the rate, uh, at a great rate, at, at, to a point unlike any time in history. It's interesting how many reports and articles are, are now brag about how the sum total of man's knowledge and in, in that it is doubling at a rate unlike anything ever found in the history of mankind. Are you having a hard time believing in God? Well, just watch the news. Read your Bible. It'll become clear. Why? Because God is warning us. The rapid development of technology is another distinctive sign of our age. Instant communication, 
entertainment on demand, and nanotechnology are daily changing the world so fast that we can't keep up. I mean, if you buy a new computer, it is obsolete by the time you get it home and set up. Internet connections have created a global economy. The world is open for business 24-7. The changes aren't all good. In addition to online pornography and internet gambling, there's the danger posed to children by a lifetime of staring at screens. The whole world, the, the world bankers are planning to do away with cash and, and the government is figuring ways to confiscate your savings to pay national debt and then they can better control your earning and your spending. It's just a smacking about the mark of the beast. There is a global push now to get rid of cash and Revelation 13 tells us why. God warned us in Revelation chapter 13 that the day would come when certain laws would be enforced and anyone who refused to go along with those laws would no longer be able to buy or sell. If we could not buy or sell, it will not be long until people begin to starve to death. By the way, I heard somebody say, well, you know, as a Christian, I'm going to be the first in line to get my mark so I can buy and sell for my family because I don't see any consequence. All he has to do is turn to Revelation chapter 14. There we are told that anybody who takes the mark of the beast is damned their soul forever. And so pay attention. Get right with God now so that when the rapture comes, which I believe is not too far off, you won't have to be here to worry about the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, 16 through 17 says he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on their forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. The World Bank is calling for governments to work together to implement standardized, cost-effective identity management solutions. Moreover, the nature of the deployments has required an economically feasible solution and has demonstrated that reliable biometric ID cards can affordably be used on a large scale. It offers hope for the United Nations' sustainable development goal of putting legal ID into the hands of everyone in the world by the year 2030 with its Identification for Development, or ID4D, initiative. You will notice that this refugee crisis in Europe is making the push for a global ID system even stronger. And what we're seeing in our southern borders is causing us to, to think that we've got to put something together so we can identify people. So what does Satan need to do in order to successfully enforce the mark of the beast? Well, he needs to get rid of cash and make the financial system purely electronic so that those in control will simply be able to press a button and stop God's people who refuse the mark from being able to buy and sell, pay attention. God said this would happen at the end of the age. And then there's the state of the world's religions. Jesus would be mindful of the state of the world's great faith. Online reports indicate 
There are 2.4 billion Christians in the world, 1.8 billion Muslims. That's 24%. It's the fastest growing religion in the world. 535 million Buddhists, 1.2 billion Hindus, and 16% of the world's population claim no religion at all. One Muslim leader said, we aim to establish Allah's religion in an entirety in every soul and upon every inch of this earth, in every home, institution, and society. At the same time, persecution against Christians is widespread and underreported according to 183 nations of the world. Latin America is now the largest contingent of Christians and the church in Africa is the fastest growing. Meanwhile, Pope Francis is traveling the world recruiting evangelical pastors, Hindus, Muslims, and whoever else he can that he can talk into forming a one-world religion. He recently proclaimed that Jehovah and Allah are the same God, and that's exactly wrong. Pope Francis decreed in 2016 it was a holy year and priests may absolve women of the sins that have procured abortion during a holy year. At the close of 2016, he made permanent the permission that he had provisionally given priests to forgive the sin of procuring abortion, though the sacrament of reconciliation, more commonly known as confession. He did that through that. In Catholic teaching, it was normally only bishops or the Pope himself who, who could absolve the faithful of their sin of abortion, which led to the excommunication from the church. In keeping his ministry of mercy, however, Pope Francis extended his powers of forgiveness to those missionaries of mercy priests who will visit Catholic dioceses and parishes. Listen, only Jesus Christ can forgive sins. Man cannot forgive sins. The Pope is trying to set up a one-world religion. We've talked before about his Abrahamic house in, in, in uh, the, the Mideast, and he's trying to make it so that everybody thinks they can do one religion and that there's no longer Protestants, nothing to protest. We are all one big happy family on our way to hell. Only Christ can forgive sins. But uh, Pope is saying religious fundamentalism must be uh, combated. The Pope's trying hard to replace God in today's world. The state of the world shouldn't surprise us. If God was giving a state of the world address, are, are these the observations he would make? Actually, Jesus did give us a state of the world message uh, that transcends the centuries. We call it the Olivet Discourse because he spoke it on the Mount of Olives shortly before his ascending to heaven. In Matthew 24, 16 through 14, Jesus described the state of affairs that would dominate the world between his ascension and his return. He said, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end of the world won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, uh, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. 
Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then will the end come. Well, there you have it. God's message about the state of the world isn't very hopeful right now, but a new, greatly improved world with new leadership is on the way. I want to tell you there is good news because Jesus knew history in advance and he's still in control. And the problems of this world won't be answered in peace initiatives or political movements, climate change seminars, or other religions The state of the world won't be redeemed by medical advances or modern technology. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer, and the return of Jesus Christ is the only hope. So the good news is Jesus is coming back. Get ready. He's going to take you to a world that has the peace and joy and and everything that we are longing for. If you're disturbed by today's headlines and tomorrow's uncertainties, look to Jesus. Trust his unfailing predictions and lean on his unchangeable promises. He told us in Luke 21, 28, So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Dear Jesus, I pray that you help us each one, that we might do some introspection. We might find out where we are in relationship to you. If there's a problem, we will confess our sins and allow you to be our personal Savior, I pray. Help us to get ready because we know that you're coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you want to get in touch with me, remember my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. My phone number is 623-845-2741. You can either text me or you can call if you want to talk direct. If you want to send a letter, it's box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. And remember also that right now I'm pastoring or just as an interim pastor, I'm pastoring the First Baptist Church here in Holbrook, and you're welcome to come to the services. We would welcome you to be there. Tomorrow I'm preaching about the the great, unique family problems that are going on, the ultimate family feud. All right, God bless you. We'll talk to you later.